Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Here we go. All righty. Welcome to another edition of The Gunshot. I am Grant Gunn. I am joined with my sister, Lauren Gunn, writer at MavsMoneyBall.com and co-host of the Blue Hardwood Podcast. We are here joining you after a long 4th of July weekend. Hope everybody out there had a good time this weekend. Had some good food, spent some time with friends, family, whatever it may be. Lauren, before we start talking basketball, how was your weekend real quick? Uh, it was good. I made it down to Austin, celebrated a friend's birthday. We went out on the water, went down to downtown, had a good time. It was it was very fun. Very glad to to make it down here. How was your weekend? I, I know you went you went out of state. How was yours? We did. We had a lot of fun. My wife and I, we went up and visited some of her family. She's got family up in Missouri. Uh, last year, we didn't get to go, but this is something typically we, we've done every year. Uh, I, I met my wife back in high school. We were 15 and um, after a few years, I started going up and meeting the family, and that's been kind of a uh, year, year-to-year year uh, trip routine, kind of something they do every year. So Fourth of July is like their family holiday. So after not getting to do that last year, we got to see everybody this year and have a great time. So that was a lot of fun. But that did not stop basketball <laughs> from rolling through this weekend. The Milwaukee Bucks wrapped up their series with the Atlanta Hawks, as did Phoenix with the Clippers and we now have a finals matchup set we are recording this Monday night July 5th uh less than 24 hours away from tip-off of game one of the NBA finals uh before we dive into that matchup Lauren and I last week talked about um what the offseason and what the playoff runs for all the teams that had had um been eliminated thus far what it, what their offseasons kind of held what what could they take away from the playoffs um, and what were some of the questions surrounding this offseason? So before we dive into the NBA Finals, we're going to do the same thing for the Hawks and the Clippers. Lauren, I think we should start with the Clippers and, and kind of dive in there for first. What are some of the things um, that were important from this playoff run or what's some of the things they need to take away and, and focus on this offseason? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think the biggest thing from this playoffs that that the Clippers can take away is Paul George's ability to carry a team and put the team on his back when – Kawhi wasn't available I mean that was huge there were questions about are the Clippers and can they do it and they struggled with the Mavs first round and then they kind of started really getting into their groove as after eliminating Dallas and then going into the second round and even in, then eventually the Western Conference Finals so Paul George being able to to do what he did at the level of, I mean he deserves a lot of respect and so I think that was huge uh, another thing that I want to say is I know people or I've seen Obviously, you're going to see the tweets about Kawhi. What if Kawhi declines that player option? I think that there is a less than 1% chance that that happens. I would truly be so surprised based off of, and, and here's why I want to keep it real short, real quick, but Kawhi has the best situation in LA. He, like, this is his home. He doesn't even live. I believe he lives in San Diego and, like, flies right. in or drives in. So he has like the best scenario, like situation. He's in a big market. He's got his number two. So why would he leave? Like to me, that makes zero sense. Sometimes you just need time. We've talked about continuity. So uh, for me, there's not a whole lot that the Clippers, I wouldn't expect any monumental changes with them. There are a couple of potential uh, trade options or potential moves that I could see happening if they want to try to make a move for someone like Kyle Lowry. Uh, to try and create some money for him. 
I think that there are some options there for them to do. So maybe I'll run those by you after I get your thoughts on the Clippers. But for me, I wouldn't expect anything too big this offseason. Where are you at with them? Right. No, I mean, I think they're going to look back at this season and and only dream of what could have been had Kawhi been healthy. Um, exactly. And, and so I'm right there with you. Kawhi picked L.A. when he was a free agent. I got to come here. He said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll join the Clippers so long as you get one other star. Uh, and that was Paul George. And, of course, we had the playoff P, pandemic P jokes um, always there, I guess. But, but he really did show this, this season that um, that looks like it's behind him. He can definitely handle the spotlight. Um, so I don't see any situation where Kawhi would leave. Um, what I do think is interesting is if he does leave, watch how fast Steve Ballmer turns and tries to move this franchise <laughs> to Seattle. I think one of the That'd things, yeah, one of the things of getting Kawhi to come to LA was the fact that he would be keeping the Clippers in LA because Palmer is a Seattle guy. Um, I I don't know if he lives in LA or has a house in LA. It wouldn't surprise me, um, but I know for a little while, maybe last season or in, in his first season, he was flying from Seattle to LA before the games. Um, so I, I know, know that. He, wow. Yeah, he's he's a huge Seattle fan. Has always talked about bringing a team back. Um, but obviously putting a contender together and bringing Kawhi there, one of the kind of unspoken conditions was that the team wasn't going to be moving, going to be moved from LA. So if Kawhi moves on, um, I, I always feel like Bombers would be looking back, looking to go back to Seattle. So that that's kind of something interesting that I've, I'm at in the back of my mind, but I don't think Kawhi is going anywhere. Like I said, he picked this city, so I'm not too concerned. Um, mm. I think the biggest question was, can Paul George be the number two? Uh, mm-hmm. And once he proved that he could, there's really no reason Kawhi doesn't stay. So like, like you said, they do have some other options. Reggie Jackson's an interesting um, option. Nicholas Batum, those are two guys who contributed and play well in the playoffs who are both free agents. Um, don't know what they'll be able to do or bring back. Um, I like to think Reggie Jackson could go get paid somewhere else, but maybe he wants right. to stay and, and be a contributing factor to a contending team. So um Clippers all in all had a great season. Like I said, they're going to wish and only dream what could have been, but. Mm-hmm. Um, can I next, run a few potential next year? Can I yeah, run a absolutely. few potential things by it? Okay. Absolutely. So like you mentioned, Reggie Jackson's coming off the books. I think that that'll be an interesting situation to monitor because he has earned himself a bag, like you mentioned. So he could go somewhere else and get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Clippers could, I mean, we saw how emotional he got after, uh, they got eliminated. So maybe he, he would be willing to take a little bit of a pay cut. He's 31 years old. I'm not sure. Maybe he takes, I mean, I'm just hypothetical numbers. Maybe he takes 14 million from, or like maybe 10 million a seat, like a real pay cut to stay with Los Angeles as opposed to 20 million from, I don't know, OKC. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. That's a 50%. That's, that's a pretty big pay cut, but you get what I'm saying. He might take a little bit of a hometown discount, but the moves that I wanted to throw at you were, um, Patrick Beverly is making 14 million next season and he's 31 years old and he played, he only played 37 games this season. And he had a couple of big moments throughout the playoffs where, I mean, he would kind of catch fire, but in the series against Dallas, he wasn't, he wasn't really on the floor. And so a guy that's, that struggled with injury a little bit, only playing 37 games and not playing in every single game of, of the playoffs, who's making $14 million. Do you think that there's a chance maybe he gets, they start just kind of feeling him out there and seeing if there's a team that might say, Hey, you could really use a, a guard that, that plays 
super, super strong defense. I mean, we're going to just feel out there and try to see if we can create some money. Uh, I got, this is like a two part question for you. So, so you got Patrick Beverly out there. They also got Luke Kennard who signed that pretty sizable extension. Who's making nearly $13 million next season. So I feel like between those two guys, you can clear what, what am I looking at? $27 million by moving those two guys and maybe make a play for hometown DeMar DeRozan, bring someone like that in, or even Kyle Lowry, who was seeking 25-ish a year. I think that that's something to really monitor uh, because I think there are plenty of teams that would like to have a guy like Luke Kennard, who maybe some people might consider to be overpaid after that extension and not even getting that extension and not even really playing too, too much throughout the year. So I think that that's really something to monitor. What are your thoughts are? What are your thoughts on, on those two guys potentially getting moved? No, I think that's a huge possibility. Um, I think the Clippers, <clears throat> even dealing with injuries, the one thing they know and will take away is that they can never have too much star power. So if it takes moving one of those guys, attaching maybe a Terrence Mann and some picks to do so, I think they would do that in a heartbeat. So I, I don't doubt that at all. Um, I don't know how um, what it would take to move off of, of Beverly because – like you said, he kind of got played off the floor in some cases. Um, mm-hmm. And just, I, I don't even want to dive into the Chris Paul thing. I guess that's kind of exactly what you're getting with Patrick Beverly when he turned around and shoved him. So, I mean, that's just, just part of, part of the scrappiness, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother yeah. uh, hole we could go down. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, no, the Clippers have, have some interesting, scenarios to play out for sure and i don't i don't think they move on from those guys unless they speak to the or, or yeah or talk exactly. to lowry right and they've got that locked up and that very well may happen uh yeah i, I think, think lowry and mike conley maybe right yeah those are two guys i was just going to say the same thing that is those are perfect fits so very interesting to see what could happen um something that's interesting about reggie jackson he's kind of i could see him almost jumping ship to the lakers even i i don't have the the Lakers cap sheet in front of me. So I don't know what that situation is, but Reggie Jackson could be mm-hmm. that, that mid-level exception MLE guy to get eight to 10 million a year or something like that. Um, to where he's not, he's not pulling in maybe 14 or 16. Um, but if Dennis Schroeder, another guy kind of like Reggie Jackson, Tim Hardaway Jr., all those similar kind of swing scoring shooting guards, um, they they're going to be a hot commodity, but they are similar enough to each other that I don't think anyone's going to outbid uh, another team. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the market for one of those guys is and what happens once one of those three go, Mm -hmm. what happens to the other two? Um, Because I think those are all three guys that flourished (laughs) in their role this season uh, and ideally fit anywhere, but the teams all that they're with might see potential upgrades elsewhere Um, so what does that mean for those guys i think is very interesting um so yeah clippers clippers have some some movable contracts as well as just roster space between their expiring deals to kind of make something happen so we will see no doubt they'll be back in the mix next year lauren do you have anything else to add before we move to the hawks um yeah just real quick on them the clippers do not i mean they have their first round pick this year but they do not have a first round pick until 2027 it's a it's a lot of seconds between now and then so they might have to get a little bit creative there i do i would be very surprised if they moved on from terrence man uh personally i don't i don't see that happening but they're gonna have to get real creative because in terms of other young 
assets if you have to I don't I mean I think that there are teams out there that would take Patrick Beverly uh, and even Luke Kennard so maybe second round picks if you've got to add something there to do some sort of salary dump I'm sure that that wouldn't be too too much of a problem but yeah it's going to be interesting to see how how crafty they have to get yeah I just for me I just don't see somebody it would have to be a playoff team willing to take on Beverly and somebody who has 13 14 million dollars of cap space is just not they're far and few between. So I think you have to attach a young asset and, and Daniel Oturu is a young guy they have, but Terrence right. Mann, I think is just kind of that best asset outside of, you know, I guess they could make a draft day trade and trade their first round pick this year, um, but mm-hmm. it's gotta be a late first rounder. So I don't know how much value that has. So like when I look at their assets to trade, it really is Terrence Mann. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I don't think they want to do that, but right. I think they would, if it means bringing in a DeRozan or a Lowry or a Mike Conley or something like that. So we will see. We will see. Well, alrighty. I want to shift back to the East, the Atlanta Hawks. I believe it was uh, announced either today, it might have been yesterday, that they are bringing back. Um, I almost said Pierce Lloyd. <laughs> Lloyd Pierce. It's Nate McMillan. <laughs> Nate, thank you. I knew. I was like, that's not right. It is Nate McMillan. Uh, so he is no longer their interim head coach. Will be their head coach uh, moving forward next season. I think that was pretty much expected once they got past. Philly in the right. second round. So it was kind of nice to hear that. Sounds like he's got the full backing and support of the team. Um, Lauren, what are, what do the Hawks have to take away from this season? And what are some of the things that they, um, decisions they have to make or things to look forward to this off season? Yeah. So for me, the biggest takeaway for the Hawks is that they're ready. I mean, they've got the, what they did this playoff. They exceeded so many expectations. I was one of their biggest critics after this last offseason because I was like man they went out and I mean bringing in Bogdanovich I thought that that was a good move but going out and paying uh, Rondo at the time and even paying Gallo I did not think that that was a good move I was like man you still got I know Trey Young is I mean he is a a budding star but some of these other guys Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, Okonglu, DeAndre Hunter like you want to continue to let them develop obviously they're not going to be on the same trajectory as as Trey Young but you don't want to hinder their growth by giving um you know, Capella, which obviously he had a great season, but if your rotation becomes Capella, Bogdanovich, um, Gallo, and Okongwu is kind of getting a little bit of the back burner there. Like, I just, I didn't want to see that happen because they have a lot of really, really intriguing young guys. And Nate McMillan found a way to really kind of allow everyone to have their moment. Obviously, Kevin Herter had some very big games. Okongwu had some, gave some really great minutes. Uh, unfortunately, DeAndre Hunter's battling some injuries, but the, the moral of the story is that they're ready. Look at what they just did. And so um, it wasn't a fluke. Trey Young gets a lot of credit. There were a few games you and I watched where we were like, my goodness, look at this guy out here. So um, they do have some questions. Obviously, the biggest question kind of revolves around, <coughs> excuse me, John Collins and what they're going to do with that. Uh, I want to give Tyler Adams a shout out. He tweeted today and said, be on the lookout kind of throughout the idea of potentially moving Gallo in in kind of a salary dump if they want to if they are now in the position of we have to bring back John Collins because it gives them a little bit of flexibility if they want to move off of that 20 million dollar contract that he's going to be uh that he's going to have next year making 20 million dollars if they want to move off of that somehow that gives them a little bit more flexibility to bring back John Collins uh and even kind of moving forward with with that Trey Young extension coming up ahead so that's really everything I, I'm kind of looking at in terms of Atlanta and 
and what they've they've got a five million dollar uh, player option with Chris Dunn. So maybe you you decline that to try and free up some money. We'll see. But what are your thoughts on uh, on Atlanta, their season as a whole, and and what they should look to this offseason? Yeah, you kind of touched on it. I think when when you looked at the moves they made last offseason, you said great. They bought themselves mm-hmm. probably a six seed and a first round exit. Yeah. And you think, yeah. you know what? That's perfectly fine. They were they realized that they had something in Trey Young that said, "Hey, we are just going to buy him playoff experience now because that is going to be more valuable down the road when it is time for him to turn around and win a championship." And even they turned around and made, I think they were the five seed. They matched up against the Knicks. And it was like, okay, this is kind of where we thought. Um, they, they were lucky enough to have a first-round matchup against the Knicks. And still everyone thought, all right, great. Even if they get past the Knicks, it's a second-round exit. Still nothing special. And they turned around and showed that these guys are more than just um, playoff experience for Trey. These guys can contribute, um, kind of build their roles perfectly um, and, and showed that they're more in a win now situation than I think everyone thought. And so that a lot of credit to Nate McMillan, a lot of credit to Trey young. Um, they were a lot of fun to watch this season. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think they, they're more excited than ever. Uh, I think there were questions about whether or not they were going to bring John Collins back. Uh, right. I, I would not be surprised at all if they bring him back. I believe he's a restricted yeah. free agent. Right. And so they, they should have bird rights. Maybe I can't remember if they need three or four years um, before they can go over the cap to sign him, but I believe they can bring him back and go over the cap to do so. So I'm not super worried uh, about them needing to make any room. Gallo could be um, a, a player that teams are looking to add to if, if they're looking to um, bring in another guy. So I, I don't hate that idea of, of Gallinari being traded, but I, I don't know why they would look to trade them. Honestly, you talked about Okongwu and, and potentially stunning his growth. And I get that, but he's still, still only 19, 20 years old. So right. I don't worry about like, like Gallo's not going to be around long-term. So if Okongwu right. is still coming off the bench for two more years, he's only going to be 21, 22 at that point and have plenty of time to still develop. Uh, I don't worry about that at all. So um They've got a lot of great young pieces, and they've got kind of these these vets between. I don't want to call Bogey a vet because he still seems so young, but he is twenty eight. <laughs> right. Um, but but between Gallo and I don't know if Lou will, will be back. I believe he's a free agent. Um, so yes, they, they just kind of had that perfect mix this year, uh, and Nate McMillan kind of finding what it took to to pull it out of everybody. I, I think I wish I remembered what their record was when their coach was fired but he uh they turned it around had a great season so they were a lot of fun hopefully they're a lot of fun in the future because the eastern conference um has always been very top heavy and and anything to bring some more juice in into that competition is always fun so yeah i i don't i don't worry about the hawks too much this offseason um i think Mm what will be interesting is, is how things shake up next season where they have a full season with their head coach hopefully everybody's healthy I know Cam Reddish and, like you said, uh, DeAndre Hunter were battling some injuries. So we'll see how uh, that shakes up. Well, alrighty, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to break down and, and preview some of the NBA Finals game one and what we have to look for. Stay tuned. All righty, welcome back, Lauren. So before the break, we talked about what the Hawks and Clippers uh, season kind of recap. 
what things meant for them and what the outlook was going into the offseason. But now it is time to shift for what we've been waiting for all season, the NBA Finals. Before we start talking about it, can we just talk about how great it is to see two middle market teams in the finals? Thank you. Absolutely. And, and I mean, yes, injuries suck, and it has really been unfortunate to – see kind of how these playoffs have transpired without some of these big the biggest names in NBA uh basketball not being a part of the playoffs that has been very unfortunate but on the positive flip side getting to see some of these middle market teams thrive and get the attention and just some of the storylines that have gone out there just because they're in the NBA finals or even the Eastern and Western Conference finals and so all the attention is on them it's just been so so great to see uh, I th- like a perfect example is Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter has been put on the map because of a, the Atlanta Hawks going to the Eastern Conference Finals when I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who had no idea who he was going into this season. So uh, I love it for the middle market teams. I love that they're getting this attention. Uh, but we've got a heck of a matchup in the finals. So I can't wait. I think this is this is a great matchup. And, and for both of these teams, whoever comes away with it, I I'm thrilled for both franchises because it's it's so I mean it's just it's crazy Phoenix and Milwaukee here we are 2021 it is absolutely crazy but it's so exciting right you talked about all the injuries that that took place and some people are going to say oh well the Suns will never be there if AD didn't get injured and then if Jamal Murray was healthy and then Mm -hmm. who was Kawhi with the Clippers Mm -hmm. like you can you can say all of that but I think you can say that every single year. Every year it was like, well, what if this team was 100% healthy? Right. Chris Paul has dealt with his fair share of injuries in the past in the playoffs. So, like, it's part of it. Of course, does it suck as right. a fan? Absolutely. But it's part of it. And I think if you had told us before the playoffs started, not knowing any additional injuries, the Kawhi, the, the AD, anything like that, um, mm-hmm. if you had told us we were going to have a Phoenix-Milwaukee matchup, I think that was very plausible possible absolutely Uh, that was not that was not something that would be out of the realm of possibility at all um we talked about going milwaukee having to go through potentially um philadelphia and the nets and and they took the nets to seven and granted they were a kevin durant fingernail or toenail away from being eliminated so i mean they they had to fight their way through as well the Suns did, did not have it easy. Chris Paul was out with uh, COVID protocols. So, like, it was not easy for either of these teams either. All that to say, like, Milwaukee's dealing with their injuries going into game one. We still don't know right now if Giannis is even going to be available for game one. So, right. we've, got, we've got a lot of intrigue still left to play out here. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because, you know, I mean, Giannis has been waiting He has been waiting for this. So um, the latest I saw was that he was working out and I believe it was like a private gym and he's, he's pleased by the progress that he's shown. Uh, But yeah, I would like to think that he'll be, he'll be ready to rock by game one. And if not by game two, because that's, I mean, this is, this is what he's been waiting for. So we gotta, we gotta get Giannis in there. Right. You just don't get too many swings at, at an NBA championship <laughs> as a player, or at least you don't no know kidding. when you're going to get your swings. Uh, and, right. and I remember, I think it was before game six of the Hawks series. He said that if there's going, if there's a game seven, uh, his plan would be to play. Now game seven would have been happening tonight, uh, July 5th. That's Monday night. So 
whether that was all talk or not, I guess we'll wait to see if he plays game one uh, to see right. if he's ready. I don't doubt that there's part of Milwaukee that's keeping as much as they can close to the vest to try to not give Phoenix any sort of preparation or, or plan. Um, but knowing Chris Paul, he's going to have – Chris Paul and Monty Williams both will have those guys ready whether Giannis is playing or not. So that's another team mm-hmm. that has been fun to watch. I think before we talk about the Suns more, Lauren, at the beginning of the series or, or beginning of the playoffs, you and I talked about DeAndre Ayton and how we thought mm-hmm. he might just end up lost out there in the first yes. round against Anthony Davis. And we need to back up and give him credit for how he has played defensively Absolutely. throughout this whole playoffs. He, he defended Jokic well and has played amazing this whole series, or this whole playoff run and, and has been a huge piece for them. So a lot of props to DeAndre Aiden. And I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how he's going to play this series. Lopez is a guy who's going to step him outside to the three, um, but he's going to have to bang inside with the honest sum too. I'm sure I like, I just, I'm very intrigued to see, what Phoenix is going to throw at Milwaukee and and the different looks. Mm -hmm. They obviously have a lot of those versatile wing defenders that we've talked about in the past, but I think this is going Mm -hmm. to be a fun, fun series to watch. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because something that I'm really looking forward to is the coaching matchup. Monty Williams has had an incredible year and Bud, there have been many times where he's gotten a lot of criticism. Uh, And so he's got, I mean, he's got a lot to prove here. So uh, this is this is the moment for Milwaukee. Like you've got to you got to step up. Uh, but Phoenix, I like Phoenix. I like the switchable defenders. Like you said, I want to circle back uh, real quick to DeAndre Ayton. He absolutely deserves the credit. My biggest critique of his was that I wasn't sure uh, how strong his defensive IQ was going to be, and ha- if he was just going to like if that lack of experience was really going to get exposed in the playoffs. Uh, but he came out and said that. He felt like Chris Paul saved his basketball career in terms of coaching him and, and sharing his experience with him. And I love that because that's why you go out and get someone like Chris Paul and that like what experience can do for someone in the locker room is on un- and, and leadership is unbelievable. So um, I love that quote. I, I just, I love that relationship and how Chris Paul has come in and, and built these relationships with, with guys like book, and, and Aiton and just even all the way down that roster, even someone like campaign, you know what I mean? So I uh, campaigns, another guy that gets a lot of respect. Right. So I just, I love this Phoenix team. Uh, but yeah, I think that the, the ability to be so versatile on defense is going to be huge for them. And having a coach like Monty Williams, who I think a lot of people have a lot of faith in, uh, I think things could potentially bode well. Uh, for Phoenix and I, I do hope that that Giannis is fully healthy I do not want this to be a thing where Giannis do, doesn't play for half of the series or uh, you know the first two games or whatever the case may be I hope he gets in there but whether he's there or not I'll be honest with you I like Phoenix in this series very interesting I kind of lean Milwaukee just mm-hmm. because I don't want to say they've been waiting for this moment because right Chris Paul has as well but I just feel like they've been running into the wall. They have built the team. Uh, I think this is the best team they've had in terms of personnel uh, in mm-hmm. the past few years. And so I think Drew Holiday is going to give Chris Paul hell. I think Chris mm-hmm. Middleton and Giannis are going to give Booker hell. Um, but but I think what gives Phoenix the edge is going to be Monty Williams and Chris Paul and the play calling down the stretch when the game mm-hmm. turns into more of an ISO-heavy one-on-one. Um, I think Chris Paul is going to be able to facilitate that a lot better than 
um, Giannis and Bud do. So I I honestly am torn. I think this yeah, is going to go to seven. <laughs> that assuming Giannis is healthy, I think this goes to seven. And I think in a game seven situation, I just want to say Giannis being the best player right. is going to right. make the difference. Now, <laughs> obviously, so much is going to change. We're going to learn so much over the course of games one and two. I think we're going to walk away from game one being like, oh, my gosh, all of these things that we thought were true were not. And then we're going to walk over, away right. from game two thinking, oh, my gosh, maybe some of those things were true and just have no idea because these guys are going to throw different right. looks at each other for these first two games as they really try to feel each other out. So it's going to be interesting. I can't wait. I love the NBA finals. This is the best <laughs> time of year. This is what we've been waiting for, regardless of who the teams are. I'm glad that I like both of these teams because that, that makes yes. it that much more interesting. More enjoyable. Yes. Right. Um, but, but even when it's teams I don't like, I still absolutely love the NBA Finals. Watch every minute of it. I'm looking forward to it. So we'll see. Lauren, is there anything else you want to add, think we should mention before we call it call it a wraps on this week? Um, man, I, well, I do, I do want to add this. I want, to, I want to see what they do with Giannis down the stretch. In the fourth quarter, uh, are we going to be running the halfback dive straight out of the Madden playbook over and over, or are we going to get a little bit creative? You know what I mean? And right. so far I haven't necessarily seen anything that's led me to believe uh, the latter. So I, I, I'm hoping that, that we do see some, some creativeness, I guess, coming from Bud, but yeah, like you mentioned, Chris Paul and book down the stretch with Monty Williams. Tough to coaching. beat. Yeah, I, that's tough. That is tough to beat. But, but, but a lot of the times, the, the team with the best player wins the series and that, that the best player is Giannis. So it's going to be close. Uh, to be honest, whether Giannis plays game one or say he misses game two, I think this is going to seven. I think it's going to seven no matter what because it's just so, so close. But like you said, I'm going to live every minute of it, going to watch every minute of it. Uh, and we're about to see a show. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely. Before we go, I do know, we saw a little bit of pick and roll where Giannis was setting the screen against or against Atlanta um, down mm. the stretch. So we'll be interested to see how that goes. Now that, that partly I think was the matchup just kind of favored Giannis rolling to the basket. Whereas against Brooklyn, he was a little more ISO heavy. I, I can't wait to see how that, that plays out that matchup who they have guarding Giannis down the stretch uh, because it's right. going to be a lot of fun, but we'll dive into this as we go. Um, reach out to both of us on Twitter. What are your thoughts? What are some of the things you're looking forward to? What are some of the things we didn't even mention uh, with, the, with the finals? Uh, you can find me at gun underscore grant on Twitter, and you can find Lauren at L underscore gun with four N's. Is that right? That's right. All righty. Reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts. We are looking forward to a great NBA finals. Before we know it, we'll be rolling into the off season, NBA drafts, NBA free agency, all of that fun stuff ahead. We'll be talking it all and breaking it down the whole way. Thanks for listening to another edition of The Gunshot.